0: Hey! Happy two-year birthday, everybody! Um, this is a, a huge, huge blessing. Andy, thank you so much for walking us down memory lane just a little bit uh, earlier. Uh, some of those things hadn't come to mind when I was just taking time to reflect on what God has done. And actually, when I sat down just to be just to reflect on the journey, I'm so filled with praise and gratitude. God is good all the time. God is good. I'm so thankful. And, and really, the journey started um, you know, before uh, two years ago. It started before 2017. It was actually, for me anyways, it was April of 2016. April 15, I remember it clearly. Colorado rolled out its springtime white carpet. Um, with 11 inches of snow, I think it was on a Friday evening, just as we finished moving in the last of our boxes into our three bedroom apartment here off of Plum Creek. And, um, yeah, we had trouble getting to church the next day. We found it. Eventually we found the Franktown church. We got to visit with some friends and stuff like that. But man, um, it was probably the first weekend of May that same year, 2016, Got back from the very first North American Division Church Planters Boot Camp, which was a really awesome timing. Got back here, visited Target in Castle Rock for the very first time. The most amazing view of any Target in all the country. Oh, man. Yeah. Exactly. The whole city, the whole front range, it seems. And so I remember walking in with my family. I was getting a phone call from a 720 number, and I had no idea what area code that was. (laughs) And uh, on the other line was a, was a guy, a really enthusiastic voice. His name was uh, David Martinez. You remember David? He got my number. He was a chaplain at the Adventist Hospital here just, uh, you know, um, over the last several months, has transitioned to being a pastor for the Denver West Golden and Lakewood Fellowship Churches. But uh, David, he called me. He said, hey, I need some help. I hear you play guitar. Hey, I, we're doing a Vacation Bible School, Creation Health, Vacation Bibles. Can you help? And things like that. I'd really love to meet you, have some lunch. And we, we got to connect, got to meet Clint Watson as a result of that conversation. And really, this, uh, this, this thing started snowballing. God was leading us to people who had a desire to see something happen here in Castle Rock. Um, after that lunchtime conversation, uh, we started, Clint, David, and I, we started meeting weekly. For prayer. We had no idea what God was going to do, so we just decided we needed to pray. That was our known next step. And so we prayed and we met weekly uh, for the next year and a half or so, maybe even two and a half years, uh, just praying together every Wednesday morning. And out of that time, uh, there was eventually a, a dream team, if you will, a core team that assembled. God gave us people like Rick Rick Motz and uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Ia, and Don Hansen and Ed Apudore. People that uh, were willing to take time, like a couple hours, um, at least once, maybe even twice a month, where we would gather in our little apartment there um, <clears throat> as you know, as, as focused as we could be with our three, three little ones uh, bouncing off the walls in their bedrooms. But uh, um, those meetings were times of prayer. Those meetings were times of dreaming and times of planning, asking God, what does He want? For his church in this town. And um, eventually, God birthed not just a program, but a people. A people who seek God, a people who share life, and a people who serve the world. And this is the joy that's been the last two years since our official launch on April 22, 2017, I think it was. Um, but yeah, there, there are individuals that I just want to praise God for people like that core team that I mentioned. And then uh, after the core team kind of handed off, uh, handed off the baton to, to an advisory council of sorts, we had individuals like, uh, Jose and Bernice Benabe and, um, also Kim Hartman who, who committed monthly times just to make sure that this community was really being steered in the way that God dreamt for it to be. And, uh. I'm thankful for for the hospital, even with all the flights of stairs. I'm thankful for a place to gather. You know, it doesn't, I mean, what a metaphor, right? You you come to a hospital to worship. You come to to a place of healing to meet with Jesus. And, um, you know, from an average startup meeting group of about 25 to 30 to nearly doubling to the family that we are now, um, we have a lot to praise God for. A lot to praise God for. And yeah, there, there have been challenges along the way. Let's not kid ourselves. There have been challenges along the way. But all along the way, there have also been evidences that this is God's. And God is in this. And I'm clinging to the promise today of Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, I'm clinging to that promise, and so uh, let's not let's not lose this desire to be not just a program, but a people who seek God and share life and serve the world. I'm thankful also for for dreamers in our administrative levels of church, you know, in our conference office, who dreamt of a church being planted in this growing community. Um, man, he, they recognized a the dark spot on the map, so to speak, and said there needs to be light right here, and so they they opened up resources, and we're looking forward to to not just being a light but also looking at other dark places on the map so that we can not just be disciples who make disciples but so we can be a church that plants churches amen let's not lose sight of that let's not lose sight of that yeah god is doing good things here but he's wanting to do new things as well and so i'm thankful today i hope we can praise god together our picnic today um, i already saw some of the food come in uh, some of it's chilling some of it will be warmed later we 're going to have a good time I think we 've even got some kids activities planned and stuff, and praise the Lord for the weather amen i was I was getting kind of angry with spring <laughs> <laughs> i don 't want this jacket anymore, you know things like that, yeah. but uh, my wool socks my wool socks I can store them until may maybe maybe even after mother 's day uh oh. All right. Hey, so today what we're going to do is we're going to get into a new series of messages, a new series of teachings on the letter to the Ephesians. This is a real group of people who lived in a real time and a real place. And it was a church that, that Paul had raised up and he's writing to them and, and maybe not even just them as we'll study in just a little bit. But before we get into that, go ahead and find in your Bibles the letter to the Ephesians, the epistle of Paul the Apostle. To the Ephesians. We're starting this and today's talk is called In Heavenly Places. In Heavenly Places. Let's bow our heads before we even start reading together. Father in heaven, I want to thank you that you are the God who does good things. And that you're the one who completes good things. Lord, as we look back, especially on Sabbath, as we look back to that first week of creation, you looked at everything you had done and saw that it was good. You saw that it was very good. And we can rest in that. And then when, when you hung upon Calvary's cross, though it did not look good or feel good, you still said it is finished and you rested in that and we rest in that. And Lord, we know that you long to complete a good work in us personally and in and through our church corporately. So we're asking God that as we, as we seek a word from you, that you would speak to us. The Lord, as we look at these uh, sometimes very big words here, especially in this book and big ideas here, that you would translate that through the power of your Holy Spirit to the truth that we need to hear and the truth that we need to walk in. This is our prayer. In Jesus' saving name, let the families say, Amen. Amen. All right. If you're in Ephesians chapter one, go ahead and say amen. amen. All right, Ephesians chapter one. We're going ahead and basically we're going to walk through the entire letter for the next. I was trying to fit it in six weeks and I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen. It's six chapters long, but Ephesians is so rich, so deep, so packed that we can't uh, rush through this stuff. It might feel like we're rushing through it, drinking out of a fire hose, but let's, uh, let's just work through it together. I would even challenge you throughout the next, through the end of June, I think is kind of what we're anticipating. But through the end of June, just take Ephesians and maybe once a week read through the letter. Just read through it as a letter to you, as a letter to you. All right, here we are. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, I'm starting in, um, yeah, in verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Bible. It sounds like a pretty typical introduction, but there's something deep here. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, a pretty typical greeting, introducing himself, addressing the people that he wants to address and kind of the the, the message he wants to convey. But Paul, I think, uh, when you look at the way Paul introduces himself, you, you've got to recognize that Paul, everything he knows about himself and what he is to do in life and what he has in life is all wrapped up in Jesus. He says he's an apostle, which is Pretty significant in itself, right? There were only 12 of them that were designated apostles by Jesus. But this isn't a title that he's claiming for himself. He says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. His call, it's his will, the the calling in his life, his purpose and direction, it's all wrapped up in Jesus. And I wonder how often uh, we are aware of that ourselves. That who you are and what you're about and where you're headed in life is all about Jesus, it's all about Jesus. And then when he addresses the believers, you know what he calls them? He calls them saints. Saints. And then maybe if you're, if you're like me, you read that right away and you say, oh man, this letter is not for me. <laughs> so it's to the saints. But really, the saints are, are not some spiritual elite. Some you know, heroes of the faith that have names on the walls, so to speak. Saints are people who have been set apart. People who have been called for a holy purpose. And that's every one of us who have claimed the name of Jesus. It's not a title for the spiritually elite who earn brownie points and status. It's a calling and a purpose that has been bestowed. It has been gifted. It's not been claimed or earned. And it's been gifted to them because of their faith and their faithfulness in Christ. It's interesting that Paul, when he says this in verse 1 to the saints who are, where does your Bible say? To the saints who are in Jesus. Ephesus. In Ephesus. It's really interesting to note that um, some, some actual manuscripts of, of, of the New Testament don't have the in Ephesus there. And while Paul may be addressing specifically the believers in Ephesus, um, you also start reading through the letter, and unlike the other letters that address specific names in towns of like Corinth or Galatia and specific uh issues that are cropping up in these areas, um, This letter is kind of void of that, and maybe Paul didn't want to over-personalize this letter so that other churches and other groups of believers could actually hear what Paul was saying. Similar to the letters, the seven letters in the very beginning of Revelation. In Revelation, there are these letters that are written to how many churches? You guys remember? Remember? seven churches in revelation and at the end of every message to each church it says he who has an ear let him hear in other words when john the revelator was writing these letters to these seven churches he wanted all seven churches to hear all seven letters and do you remember what the first church was that john started with it was ephesus It was Ephesus. In other words, this letter, this this document that John was writing, he wanted it to start in Ephesus and make a round, make a circuit, so to speak. Ephesus was kind of the prominent city. It was really the epicenter for gospel ministry. When you read Acts chapter 19, you discover that there in Ephesus, as a result of Paul's two years of labor there, the longest amount of labor that he had expended in any given city, that after two years of labor there, all in Asia Minor heard the word of God. That's awesome, right? That that was the epicenter of gospel ministry. And it all started with 12 disciples, 12 disciples who hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And Paul starts working with them and they experience God's presence in a very real way. The point is this, it's a letter, even though it's addressed to the saints who are in Ephesus, it's a letter we all need to hear, okay? It's It's a letter that we all get to hear, no matter where we are geographically, no matter where we are generationally, after all as one commentator says it's in ephesians that we have the crowning summation of paul's thought whoa it's kind of like you know you need some good suspense music there whoa da 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 you know this is the crowning summation of paul's thought so do you know what this letter has to say do you know the message of this letter if you want a little introduction or a sneak peek verse 2 gives it to you grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it, right there. The topic sentence of the entire letter. The, almost it's like reading the very end of the book, so to speak. Grace and peace. God's initiative to save, that's grace. God's design to make us whole and mend us and restore us. Not just in our relationships with one another, but especially in our relationship with him. Peace. That's what he wants for us. And all this is from him and for us. As we start into verse 3, we're, we're kicking into kind of our main focus here. Verse 3, what are the very first two words in your Bible in verse 3? Ephesians 1, verse 3. What do you got there? Blessed, Blessed be. You know what Paul is doing? He, he, he's standing up and he's saying, praise the Lord. Right, right here, in the, as, as Paul kicks things off, as he starts unpacking this message of grace and peace, he cannot help but praise God. Blessed be, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right from the gate, it's as if Paul is swept into an almost breathless sense of awe over what God has done and is doing for each and every one of us. I say breathless because uh, when you read this in the Greek, I don't know how many of you would or what would want to. (laughs) But verses 3 through 14, grammatically, is all one sentence. One sentence. Thank the Lord for English translators who will break it up for us. Right? And really, it's as if Paul just cannot help. Oh, and praise God for this. And, 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 you know, like a little kid who just can't stop telling you about his afternoon recess. And so Paul is here. He's just filled with a sense of awe. And that praise starts with exalting some really lofty realities. Notice it. Verse 3. Let's read it together. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing where? In the heavenly places in Christ. Do you know something today? Do you know what Paul knows? That you are blessed with every spiritual blessing, every one of them. I don't know how many of them there are, but God has given you every one of them. You are not partially blessed. We are not scantily blessed. We are fully and abundantly blessed with every blessing. It makes me think of something else that Paul said in Romans chapter 8 verse 32. It says, "He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us just a few things?" No. Paul knows that because God has given us his son, well he's he's giving us everything every spiritual blessing peter agrees with him too in second peter chapter 1 verse 3 he says by his divine power god has given us everything we need for living a godly life everything in christ we have all that we need and as paul notes he says that these uh, these blessings he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing where is it in the heavenly places in Christ. Where do these spiritual blessings come from? According to Paul, they're in heavenly places. You know, there are times where we don't necessarily feel like we're blessed with every spiritual blessing, or or sometimes any spiritual blessing. And we may not always feel like every blessing is ours in hand, but there's another dimension that Paul sees. There's another dimension that Paul sees and he wants us to see as well. And he calls it heavenly places. Heavenly things. Uh, just uh, yesterday, uh, I was getting ready for the day and I overheard a conversation, a very passionate conversation between, um, I'll, I'll remain nameless here, between one of my children and Debbie. <laughs> and, um, you know, they had, uh, we'd recently just uh, discovered how much change in their piggy bank they had. And um, they've gotten into a a, a an experience where they were able to purchase things that they wanted, and it was a really empowering thing. I think for for this unnamed child, <laughs> and uh, there was a conversation. Hey, can we go to Target um, to buy another Lego set? Like, what? But we have this already, and and this already, and anyway, the, it kind of went back and forth, and it was getting enthusiastic. We'll see, and uh, there was something that that clicked once Debbie said you know, there are a couple of bins in your closet of cars and toys that you haven't seen in a long while. And the very next thing I hear is stomping, going off into the distance, and once I'm actually ready for the day and leaving, I see my boys playing with cars that I haven't seen in a long while. <laughs> Happily, I'm sorry, I said boys. <laughs> I'm narrowing it down. Anyways, here's the thing. I think we too often let our attention and our energy get exclusively fixated on things that are right in front of us. And we miss out on binfuls of blessings that are already ours. That are already ours. Do you know that there are heavenly realities that are already ours? Binfuls, so to speak, that remained unopened simply because of our spiritual short-sightedness or nearsightedness. Well, what are these spiritual blessings? What are they? Paul wants to unpack them for us. And what we're going to discover is we're going to read through. We're going to feel like a breathless Paul here. No, we're going, to, we're going to read through and we're going to discover three categories of blessings that Paul kind of outlines for us. Three blessings. And they kind of relate to past, present, and future, but they all impact our life today. All right. Three blessings that Paul highlights. Three spiritual blessings. And the first one is found in verse 4. It says this, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. In verse 5, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. You kind of notice how you can just keep reading and reading. Yeah. Anyways, here's spiritual blessing number one. Ready? We, in Jesus, we have been chosen chosen i don't know if this is like bringing back awful memories of um, you know gym elementary gym or recess and being the last person chosen on the team or whatever but here's the the reality that in jesus we have been chosen and, and this kind of relates to something that happened long long ago because notice the timing of this choice In verse 4, just as He chose us in Him, when? Before the foundation of the world. Before anything was created, before anything was established here on earth, you and I were picked, selected, wanted, chosen. Chosen in Jesus. For what purpose? According to the rest of the verse, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love. In other words, to be in a relationship as adopted sons and daughters. Notice verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, to belong to his family. And this is a reality that from eternity past, God has always, always willed for you and I to be holy, to be unmarred by sin. In other words, to be saved. He has always wanted this for you and I. And he's always wanted you and I to be his sons and daughters, to belong to his family. And Paul, when he's writing this, he's praising God. He's praising God that there has never, ever been a time that God has wanted anything different. Never. There's never been a time that God has wanted anything different. He very literally has predestined us. In other words, he's made provision for this saved sonship, this saved relationship long before we knew we needed it. and I know maybe some of us are getting kind of tripped up with this idea of predestined. What in the world is Paul saying predestined? Is Paul saying that God has predetermined who will be saved and who will be lost? No, I don't think that's what he's saying at all. In fact, if you read the rest of Ephesians, he says that we're saved by grace through faith, right? Which is an exercise of choice. So what has God predestined? Paul is making it clear that the destiny of salvation is something that he has made available and made possible long before we knew we needed it. Okay? In other words, salvation is conditional when received through faith, exercising the choice of trust. And the, the question that has never been is the question that God has predestined oh, let me say this again the question has never been whether god wants us to be saved or wants us to be his kids that has never been the question he is always he is predestined that he has already made that will known he's made that possible and that's why jesus in revelation is called the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world right it was something that was already predestined that he would save you and i praise the lord <laughs> Praise God for that. Praise God that his grace makes us accepted. And notice how it says it in verse 6. This is the very next kind of breath that Paul takes. It's a breath of praise. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Man, that's a blessing that has been carved out for us from eternity past. That's a heavenly reality that revolutionizes our earthly existence when we receive it by faith today. Man, our worth, our identity, our sense of significance has been set in stone long before we could ever do anything to add to our sense of worth or add to our identity and significance. It's already been set. There's nothing that we can presently do. No present success or present failure can take away from that identity of being chosen in Christ. Praise God. That's a spiritual blessing. That's yours. That's yours. That's mine. That's a spiritual blessing. You in Christ have been chosen. Amen. Amen. Spiritual blessing number two. Spiritual blessing number two. We're going on. It's this, in Jesus, we have redemption. Redemption. Let's read it. Verse seven. In him, we have redemption through his blood. It's not just nail polish remover. Amen. <laughs> it's in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I love this. Redemption. Redemption. I don't know in what context we daily or routinely use the word redemption. I don't know, Maybe we, we redeem a coupon or redeem an offer on your app or something. I, I don't know. But redemption here. I guess it does kind of have that sense of transaction involved. But at its root, it's it's the word luo. It means to loose or to to release. And um, the very literal construction of the word, particularly this word for redemption, is talking about releasing from. And the emphasis is on what you have been released from or the distance between you and your former sense of enslavement. It's a slavery term. It's a term that in the Greek marketplaces you would hear when someone was buying someone else's freedom. This is terminology for deliverance, freedom, and liberation. We've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Our forgiveness means freedom from bondage, not just clearance of a conscience, but literal deliverance from anything that holds us in our lives. That in Christ we are blessed with freedom to walk in newness of life. And liberty, and Paul he he kind of checks off a series of questions in the rest of his description. How, well, how 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 is this deliverance uh, ours? It says in Him we have redemption through His blood, right? According to the riches of His grace. In other words, this is a, an infinite price for an infinite debt. How much redemption? Well, notice it in verse eight, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. I love that. In other words, we are abundantly redeemed. I think the psalmist David, he writes it in Psalm 130, that in him we have forgiveness, the abundant forgiveness. We're not just barely free. I think it's the Message Bible that says not just barely free, but entirely free. I love it. How in the world could this be, you might ask? Well, Paul starts answering it, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. So how in the world could this be? How, how did God figure out this redemption for us? Well, he did it through his wisdom and through his will. Through his head and through his heart. Right? He did it uh, purposefully, like he planned it. But he also did it passionately. It pleased him to give us redemption. I love that about God. You know, he did all of this. It was by his design and also his desire. He did this all for you and me. And the next blessing, spiritual blessing. So we're talking about being chosen and having redemption. And now the third blessing that he launches into is the blessing of an inheritance. In Jesus, we will receive an inheritance. In verse 11, it starts, In him also... We have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. What inheritance do you think Paul is talking about here that we've we have a a, an access to or a heritage or a right to? It's not just money bags, it's not just plots of land. It's an inheritance of a heavenly home. That the the place where these spiritual blessings are. that inheritance is ours it's eternal life it's the fulfillment of the promise that where Jesus is there we will be also that inheritance is ours in Jesus and then he says in verse 13 um, yeah verse 13 it says in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth in case we're we're thinking oh man i've heard this word of truth i've heard this promise of a heavenly inheritance but how do i know it's it's really mine paul wants to get to your heart he says the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise your hearts were cemented with god's spirit why why why, why? what's the significance of this verse 14 Who is, the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory? Don't get lost in the flowery language here, okay? What what Paul is saying is, if you wonder if this inheritance really is yours or is coming, uh, Paul says, hey, you have the promised Holy Spirit, and He is sealing your hearts like a down payment. Did you hear it in verse fourteen? Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? A guarantee. I don't know when the last time was that you made that really big decision to walk into a title company or or you know, the back room of the car dealership where you actually sign some papers and, and say, I'm gonna give this down payment and it's a guarantee that the rest of the money is coming. Right? And sorry, that's that's kind of traumatic thinking right now for some. of us. OK, but here, here, that, that's what that's the language that's being used. This is earnest money. This is advanced payment. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He is our down payment of a heavenly inheritance. God has made a promise to us. Hey, eternal life is yours. You don't believe me. Here's the Holy Spirit. The rest is coming. The Holy Spirit's presence in your life and mine is supposed to guarantee that the rest will be given. Heaven in all its fullness will be ours. And so literally, we can receive the promise of the Holy Spirit and say, this is heaven on earth. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Wow! That's a spiritual blessing that sometimes just on another realm of reality but it's real. The heavenly inheritance that we long for every time we realize that this broken world is not our home, that heavenly inheritance is ours, and the Holy Spirit is that present tense reminder that the rest is coming. Which also means something about heaven uh, that some of us may need to alter or modify our definition of what heaven is. The inheritance isn't so much about a place or a possession. It's really about God's presence. If the Holy Spirit is the down payment of the rest of God's presence, then heaven is the rest of God's presence. Do you follow that train of thought? That's why Revelation 21, the climax of of the, the, the hope, the blessed hope is, And the tabernacle of God shall be with men. And he will be their God. They will be his people. In Revelation 22, verse 5, they shall see his face. Man, what we lost in the Garden of Eden will be restored in the Eden made new. Well, what is it? The tree of life? No, it's God's presence. <laughs> what we lost in the Garden of Eden, we lost one-on-one, personal, intimate, full-on communication with God, being with him. And that will be restored in the Eden made new. The inheritance isn't isn't so much about a place or possession it's ultimately about his presence i heard it once written that it's not in heaven that we find god but it's in god that we find heaven yeah have we become fixated on earthly concerns and conveniences that we have or that we don't have we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places what are these spiritual blessings paul just kind of outlines it past present future our past chosenness from the very foundation of the world, our present redemption that not just frees us from, from uh, the idea of sin, but sin's hold in our lives and the inheritance that will soon be ours. Ah, these are our spiritual blessings. If you've sensed that you've lost sight of these things, we need to pray. We need to pray. Pray for what? Pray what Paul prays. Keep reading here, just, just a little bit here. Pray what Paul prays. verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, and here's the prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. What do we need to be wise about? What do we need to have revealed in our lives? Verse 18, That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You know what we need to pray for? We need to pray for our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, to be enlightened or lit up to the heavenly realities that are ours. Why? Because these heavenly realities are so easily torn from our everyday living and thinking and being and doing, so easily torn, we pray. We need to pray for eyes, the eyes of our heart, to be lit up with these realities: the reality of who we are, what we have in Jesus, the reality of God's design and desire for us to actually know His calling, to know His purpose, to know His great power in our lives, which is a pointer to an experience on a very practical level that we need to have that experience daily and it's interesting to note that when paul is praying this prayer that the eyes of our standing understanding would be open that the some versions say that the eyes of our hearts would be opened. as i was studying this is just it struck me wait paul is praying this for believers paul is praying this for people who have already put their faith and trust in jesus and oftentimes i pray for unbelievers that their eyes would be opened but maybe primarily we need to pray That the eyes of our hearts would be opened. And so today, as we wrap up, I just want to appeal to you to join me this week in two simple prayers. Two simple prayers. One, to pray for our own heart, to pray that our hearts would be awakened to what is ours in Christ the chosenness, the redemption, the inheritance. I don't know, maybe one of these spiritual blessings is, is, is really your urgent need today. Is it the blessing of being chosen? Maybe all the hurt that we've been receiving or inf- even inflicting on others has been a consequence of trying to secure an identity of worth that is already ours, predestined before you and I ever had a chance to deserve it. Or maybe it's redemption that we really need to grab hold of, that our eyes need to be open to and lit up to. Maybe we've been underestimating the riches of God's grace that not only forgives us of sin's guilt, but frees us from sin's stranglehold in our lives. The blood of Jesus in the present liberates us from the destructive and addictive hold of sin. Praise God. That's redemption. That's a spiritual blessing that is ours, is ours in Christ. Or maybe, maybe it's the spiritual blessing of the inheritance. Your sense of hope has been waning. Maybe you've been wanting heaven for all the wrong reasons and in the process haven't enjoyed the sweetness of God's simple promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's, That's a present blessing that we have. The Holy Spirit's presence truly seals us and secures us to the very heart of God. So what's the spiritual blessing that you need to pray that your heart would be open to? Would you join me in praying that your heart would be open to these spiritual blessings? That's prayer number one. But prayer number two is this. To pray that our church, as we celebrate two years, pray that our church would be used by God to light up the hearts of others. To open people's understandings to the fact that these blessings are theirs in Christ. And what I want to do just now as we we close together is I want to give you permission to pray right now for one another and for our church, that the eyes of our hearts, the eyes of this church, the eyes of this community would be lit up to the reality that are in heavenly places. So go ahead find a partner or two, and let's just spend some time praying together for these very things. Father in heaven, we're asking that these prayers would not just be the prayer of the day or just the, the flavor of the day, so to speak, but that we would be filled with faith to pray these prayers throughout this week and as we move into our third year as a church. Lord, we pray that the eyes of our hearts would be daily opened and lit up to the heavenly realities that we have in Christ. We pray that the eyes of our neighbors we pray that the eyes of, of this community, we pray the eyes of, of those in our own household would be open to the spiritual blessings that are theirs in Jesus. May we reveal that in our lives. In Jesus' name of the family same. Amen.